today or they're going to be replaced by Amazon tomorrow. You know, I want to I want to make sure that the Toys R Us doesn't repeat in that market. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams. And when I'm not behind the mic on this podcast, I'm usually hosting an event, hosting a meetup, uh, teaching people how to raise equity. And actually, we have a, a huge event. It, last year, it was one of the biggest events for all of multifamily. And it's coming up on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I hope you'll attend. Go to RaisingMoneySummit.com, and then you can get a discount by putting in the promo code PODCAST. So just my podcast listeners, get this awesome promo code. Just put in podcast and, and I'll know that you got it. You heard it here on the podcast and you'll get a giant discount. So go to raisingmoneysummit.com and then put in the promo code at checkout podcast. You get a big discount and I'll see you there October 3rd, 4th and 5th. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back. I am so excited for today's episode. We've got a friend of mine, somebody that I've, I've been friends with and we connected with probably two years ago. I'm trying to, no, it was over a year ago though. Alina Trigub, who is found her way to add value to two types of people. Number one, operators that are out there operating deals. And number two, passive investors who are out there who need a safe place to put their money. Elena is doing some incredible things with all, well, there's three different commercial assets and I'll let her talk to you a little bit about that here in a moment. But you're going to want to check this out. You're going to want to listen because we're going to find out exactly why did she pick these commercial assets and not everything else that's possible out there. So with that said, Alina, if you could just kind of catch us up on when did you first, when did you first get started into commercial multifamily? First question. Hi, Adam. Hi, everyone. Great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, so I started in the commercial real estate about five years ago, but uh, let me step back a little and give you the story behind that. So um, I decided to start in, uh, investing in real estate about five or six years ago, and I've been searching for assets here locally where I live in New York, New Jersey area. Uh, they were all residential, small multis, and I was looking for a very long time uh, without any success of finding the assets uh, that would play out in my favor. So the numbers would never make sense. And after searching for almost a year, um, I decided to switch my gears and start looking at the commercial assets. And when I started looking at the commercial assets, that's when I came across syndications and I started digging and digging further to learn what where the syndications are all about and uh, after digging for a little while longer I decided to take action and uh, get my foot wet and started investing in syndications all right so what year was it that you got involved in syndication it was uh, I want to say borderline between 2015 and beginning of 2016. Okay, perfect. And then before that, did you have any experience owning single family? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. My my husband and I uh, tried that as well. I wouldn't say we were sophisticated investors at the time, but we did buy um, a single family um, in the nearby Pennsylvania, and it wasn't a successful investment. That, that this was purely because we didn't do our due diligence prior to investing and buying that property. And so. You had some experience doing single family and you went through some of this already, but I, for me in my brain, I, ne I need to ask uh, the questions uh, kind of so while I pick it up, just that's just the way I am. Sure. So, so why did you say, why did you say like we're, we've got this, we've, we're, you know, we own these properties, but we should stop doing it. Like we, we need to do syndication we need to do larger things like what what made you have that decision again so my background is in research and analysis um, I'm a former tax accountant and given that I, I'm used to doing an extensive research on anything I do and some people may call it analysis paralysis uh, but I, I need to be fully prepared to take actions I need to understand and know what I'm doing prior to taking action and that's what I did that was one of the reasons why I decided first on a small residential multi and then when I didn't see um, any any way out, any way to invest in a small residential multi, I decided to dig further and analyze further. And after doing additional analysis, I realized that the economy of scale was with the commercial real estate, that instead of doing five single family houses, I can buy a, a five unit uh, apartment building with one closing, uh, with one attorney, replace one roof, uh, uh, one furnace, and have uh, a single property manager look after that single building as opposed to going into five different properties, regardless whether they're on the same block or uh, two blocks away from each other. And simply from that perspective, you know, the economy of scale and a way to grow faster and bigger and be able to save uh, time and resources, uh, I, I realized the potential behind the commercial real estate. That is awesome. So you have, I'll try to sum it up, what I'm hearing is it's always been normal for you to really focus on understanding something fully before you take action. And based on the types of analysis that you've been doing for a long time with as a CPA, as a tax accountant, you um, gravitated toward uh, trying to understand all of the assets and then you found out that by uh, doing one closing, one attorney, one roof, you could still buy five, 10 units in a shorter amount of time easier than five different single family assets. And these days, you're not just doing a five-unit property, what are you doing these days? These days, uh, I, in addition to investing in large uh, apartment buildings, my investors and I are also investing in 
mobile home parks and storages. And the reason behind that is um, after investing in multifamily for a little while myself and then with my investors, um, I realized that, that there was also demand to diversify further. Granted, we were diversifying before. Uh, among multiple markets, but people wanted to diversify uh, among multiple asset classes. And uh, like, like I said, I, I can't start doing something without researching it first. So I started researching other asset classes and the next one after multifamily on my agenda was mobile home park so after doing the research and speaking with the, a few operators and people that were operating in a mobile home park space i decided to invest in that and in a similar fashion uh, the storage came about also I've done some research I spoke with people that were in the field doing it for a while and I decided to that add that asset class um, to my portfolio and my investors portfolio and uh, from from that point on um, it's it's just a way to go to add additional asset classes for instance right now I'm researching residential assisted living I've spoken with a number of people um, that are investing in in that space and uh, that potentially may be the next asset class uh, within my investors and my own portfolio down the road. I've noticed um, that when I look at really ultra successful people like you, um, that there is a polarized uh, way of thinking. And so I want to share both of those right now. Uh, one of the ways is that people will say, you, um, you, put all of your eggs in one basket and you watch those eggs like a hawk. Like you, you do everything you can. Like you figure out what is the best, you figure out what you want to do and you do just that one thing as well as you can. And then the other super successful people that I've met and that have been on the podcast uh, have your way of thinking where it's saying we need to have diversification. We need to have multiple asset classes and we're talking today about mobile home parks, self-storage, multifamily, and potentially assisted living. So I want to understand and really dive deep into your psychology of, of what has you ticking the way that you do to, to feel like instead of picking whichever one you think is the best one and just doing ever, putting all the eggs in that one basket, how it benefits you the most by diversifying if you could just help me to understand that the best. Sure, absolutely. Great question, Adam. Thanks for asking. Uh, so the way I think and have been thinking for a very long time, even before I started investing in real estate, is that um, all of uh, uh, my family and my own uh, investments have been within one particular asset class, that being Wall Street. While I never mind that Wall Street, I always wanted a diversification and I was always worried that all these IRAs, 401ks and so forth, everything is in Wall Street, whether it's mutual fund stocks or REITs or anything else, uh, um, stock market, you know, everything follows kind of in the same fashion. And I wanted to find a way to diversify that portfolio to balance it out. In other words, if one thing goes down, I want the other thing either stay the same or go up. That that always helps to keep everything in balance. That's um, 
that's how the investment work works. And uh, real estate has been on my mind for a very, very long time. So after I did my research and went from you know residential looking locally to commercial looking nationwide, I realized the potential was out there. And obviously starting with multifamily was natural because um, I've lived in apartment buildings and I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to multifamily because they lived in an apartment at some point in their life. But then after that, uh, um, when I was doing the research, I uh, had my tax account, not a CPA, I was never a CPA, but it was a tax accountant. I put my tax accountant brain and I started to think, what would be the other asset class that would bring the same tax breaks as the commercial multifamily apartment complexes uh, but by the same token be either as conservative or even better um, during the downturns because no matter uh, what we, we all know that even real estate goes through market cycles so uh, the downturn is going to happen one, one or the other and no one can predict when it it's going to happen tomorrow or five years from now, but we know it's going to happen. So I've always wanted to find the assets that are uh, more or less recession proof, if you will, that will allow us to continue to cash flow and uh, uh, our investors to receive dividends. But by the same token, um, if we're looking for them to appreciate, it may take slightly longer, but they, they will be cash flowing and we'll see the, the appreciation a few years down the road. And that's how I came about mobile home parks and that's in a similar fashion they came about the storages and now the asset that I've been researching lately which is residential assisted living is more or less um, in the same boat because if you think of it uh, our senior population keeps growing the demand is out there and for this particular asset class I'm, I'm thinking that I might be even able to do something here locally in the tri-state area, which I haven't been able to do with the other three asset classes because the cap rates are just uh, crazy. Mm. But, uh, you know, knowing how, uh, how much the demand is growing for the assisted living and knowing that supply is short in that arena, uh, I'm thinking that potentially there is a big possibility of my investors and I are going into that space and starting investing in um, assisted living down the road. I have so many questions for you. So this interview is going to be difficult to keep on time because there's so much in your brain that I really want to pull out and I want, I want to learn myself. And I know that there's listeners that are probably thinking the same question. So the next, <laughs> perfect. Thank you. The next thing I really want to find out with you here is you've mentioned that you liked multifamily, that you started with multifamily, that multifamily is strong and appreciates. Um, and then I also heard you mention that you feel, and based on the evidence that you found, with mobile home parks and self-storage units <laughs> that they are more resilient against recession than many of the other asset classes and perhaps multifamily. And so I want to ask if, um, if you feel like, you know, there might be a recession coming or, or, you know, these asset classes perform strong in a recession, 
are you still buying multifamily or are, have, you, have you said, okay, no more multifamily, just mobile home and self-storage? Sure. Excellent question. Absolutely. So yes, we're still investing in multifamily that, that has and will be the case. But we, what we're doing what the Russian proverb says, which is measure seven times before you cut once. In other words, we're doing much more extensive due diligence to determine whether uh, each particular investment is worth investing in and whether we want to go in it or not. And for, for the investment to be uh, even considered by us, it has to be um, in a B area or better, and it has to be a, a C asset class or better for us to consider. That's just, you know, on, on a high level. In terms of the um, other asset classes that you touched upon, mobile home parks and storages being more conservative than multifamily, um, uh, we can generalize like that, but we should also review each and every investment um, on an individual basis. In other words, there may still be multifamily investment uh, that works really well and maybe even better than the other two asset classes, storage and mobile home parks. So while in general terms, I believe that's the case, uh, on each individual basis, there might be exceptions. And you know, the exceptions to the rule may be 1% or maybe 20 to 30%. I, I don't know. But you know, in other words, I will still look at all three asset classes when reviewing them. Love that it. answers your question. It, it very well, yes. And like I said, I have so much to ask you right now. Sure. Here's, here's a couple things. Um, number one, well, let's mention at least that you'll be on stage at the Raising Money Summit. Okay. Yay. You've raised, to be there. Thank you. So we're excited to have you. It's October third, fourth, and fifth, and we are not so creative on websites. So all we did is raisingmoneysummit.com. So if you're listening and you want to come and see Alina, go to raisingmoneysummit.com and grab your tickets. You'll see that there's a lot of other incredible people that'll be on that stage in October. Now, here's a few things that you said. One, you want a B area or better. Two, you like a C asset or better. Number three, that you focus on underwriting deal by deal basis. Okay, deal by deal. That means that you're not just saying, oh, we love multifamily. So anytime there's an opportunity to be involved in multifamily, we just throw our money there. And you're not saying, well, we think that self-storage is recession resilient. So every time we see self-storage, we're just going to put our money there. You're specifically talking about how you look at each and every asset. And you have mentioned or alluded to you and your investment partners. You're the liquid, uh, pa the passive uh, equity partners that invest alongside with you in the deals that you decide to go in. So here's what I want to learn really from you right now is you're, you're, to be able to raise equity, which is something that you're going to speak on stage at the RaisingMoneySummit.com, uh, to be able to do that, there's a few things you have to do. Number one, essential, is you have to somehow brand yourself. Sure. You have to somehow let people know who you are and what you're doing. Number two 
in order to protect the people that you are investing with, alongside with, because they don't always have the same uh, accounting background as you do, not CPA, but tax accounting background that you have, um, is they're not probably focused as hard and I, most of them, some of them might, so I don't want to say that none of them are, right? Some of them might, and some of them might be trusting you a lot. They're putting their faith into what you're teaching them. But it's essential for you to, in order to have this as a sustainable business, to keep providing returns to your passive investors. And you've been doing that. You got started in this, you know, five years ago, basically, four or five years ago. And your investors keep coming back. So that's the second thing that you found a way to do that I think other people need to be able to do is underwrite. And you, like you said, you look at every asset individually. So if we can pull a little bit of information from you today that is, that's going to really benefit the listener whether they want to partner with you or they want to do the same type of a thing that you're doing, we need to learn how the brilliance of your mind is working to be able to do all of these things. So my question will be, I'm trying to sum it up. Sure. Branding and underwriting are usually two completely opposite skills and not everybody can be good at both. It, so the first question is, do you have partners that you work with that help you brand or help you underwrite? Or are you uh, an anomaly? I do have partners. Real estate is a team sport. I would not be able to be where I am at today without the help and support of the people that are around me. And as a matter of fact, throughout these years, I was able to make a lot more friends, friends that are uh, a lot more successful than I am and doing great things and uh, people that I'm learning from and just, you know, great folks overall. And um, as the saying goes, you, you are uh, a combination of the five people around you. So I'm always working on surrounding myself by the people that are much smarter, much more, uh, achieved much more in life and, um, you know, uh, have much greater results already uh, than myself to be able to learn from them. And by the same token, I also like to give back and I'm doing that through the Bigger Pockets community where I started learning um, since 2015 what is real estate about and what kind of, you know, what is this indication? So on bigger pockets, uh, try to be there on a daily basis, but at least five times a week. And I'm trying to give back to community by either responding to people posts or writing my own articles. And uh, I'm actually going to be one of the official writers uh, pretty soon on bigger pockets. That's uh, in the works right now so uh and my plan is to implement it and to take it a step further down the line and have uh my own educational program uh where i can give back even further and help people to escalate the process of their learning and be able to jump uh, through the process faster by going through my education program but that's 
we're talking a couple of years forward. It's not going to be today or tomorrow. Um, I'm trying to think because uh, your question was um, so involved. I'm trying to make sure that I'm covering all of the aspects of that. So, um, as I mentioned, real estate is definitely a team sport. So, yes, I am using other people's help to help me determine um, whether a particular investment makes sense or not. And when I say that I underwrite each and every investment that comes my way, um, I want to clarify that. So I look at what's presented to me first, and if I see certain red flags, um, in the offering memorandum and executive summary, then I, I wouldn't even take the next step to underwrite it. Or if I look at the area and based on the research determine that it's not the area where uh, my investors and I, I feel safe to investing, if it's, let's say, C minus or worse, then we will not even consider it. If it's a C, C plus area, but we know it's in the path to progress, that there are signs of path to progress, and to learn more about it, I strongly recommend people reading David Lindell's book on emerging market. It's a phenomenal read, uh, and he explains in great details what emerging markets are and how to determine which market is it or isn't. And so if I see certain red flags in an um, offering memorandum that I don't even take it to the next step of um, doing the underwriting and determining whether the investment makes sense or not. But in general, uh, the rule of thumb is um, in order for me to decide whether to invest in a particular investment, I look at three things. These three things are the deal sponsor, uh, the offering itself and the market and I started with the deal sponsor deliberately real estate is a people business and I, I know I keep repeating myself but um, the, When it comes to the sponsor, it's not only how She or he have been performing uh, all these years or have started performing recently It's also what kind of person are we dealing with? What kind of personality they have? Are we getting along? Are our goals aligned? Are our long-term objectives aligned? If uh, I don't think that uh, that person and I will be able to establish a rapport and if our objectives long-term do not align, there is no way for me to start working with that person. I will not be able to personally invest with them and I will not be able to um, uh, advise any of my investors to go into that investment. It's just the, the way I operate. I mean, it may not be true for other people, but for me personally, it's absolutely critical um, to have an absolute established report with the person I'm working with uh, because the relationship I'm establishing are long-term relationship and you know the investment may last five or ten years but I'm looking for the relationship till the end of our lives you know so that's why I want to have the relationship with someone that I enjoy speaking with that we have uh, the same objectives with and that I know have a successful track record and will continue with the track record and also so what's really important is that business is the person that um, I can trust because my investors and I are entrusting significant sum of money to this person. And, uh, you know, real estate um, is not FDIC insured or anything. So any investment may be lost. But uh, I want to make sure the person has the experience and will do and absolutely everything to make sure that the investment is not lost, that the principal is returned back to the investors and that they start getting dividends. And, uh, uh, you know, that's 
that, that's the strategy that I, I try to go by. So first the deal sponsor, then uh, I, I look at the investment and then I also look at the market itself. Is the market offering, what is there to offer to be in that market? In other words, is there an infrastructure in the market? Um, are there highways around the investment that we're trying to invest? Are there major universities in the area? Um, what are the major uh, industries that are present in the area? Are more employers coming to that area? Are, are the people flocking in? Are the, the jobs there? Um, are the major industries there to stay or are they going to be replaced by Amazon tomorrow? You know, I want to I want to make sure that the Toys R Us doesn't repeat on that market. I mean, nobody can predict, of course, but you, you want the industries that are there to stay and the industries that are going to be providing the, the jobs to the people that are coming to the market and uh, will will be offering uh, a place to live for these people in, in our apartment complexes. So you have found yourself on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Bigger Pockets. You have been running a meetup group local. Two. Two different meetup groups. Yeah, and, New York, one in New York, one is in New Jersey. Love it. And... I believe you have uh, joined a coaching program and networked with people there. So my, my question is, with all of the things that you've done, where do you find the most passive investors to partner with on your deals? Uh, I would say it's a combination of things. So first, uh, I, as everyone else, I started with friends and family. But after that, it became more or less a word of mouth, uh, repeat investors and people recommending me and then uh, myself uh, being interviewed on a podcast like yourself and presenting at um, other events, uh, telling people what I know and sharing the information and also sharing the information through the social media, as you mentioned. Um, in addition to responding to people's questions, I also write my own blog posts where I try to explain uh, the topics that I've learned myself uh, in a way that's uh, easy to follow and digest for a day-to-day -day reader. And uh, I, I like uh, to give back and not only through real estate, through other areas uh, in life as well. And um, to me, it's very rewarding when I see a happy face, when I see a smile on someone else's face, when I know that they're understanding the concept and I know that something um, I'm doing is working out, it, it really makes my day and it really makes me really happy. All right. So I love everything that you shared. My specific question is not, I, I understand that the combination is very helpful, very important. I mean, I, I do the same thing. I'm interviewed on podcasts. I host podcasts. I um, speak at events. I host events. I'm active on Facebook. You know, I'm, my, my partner writes some blog posts. But if we could understand if you could share which one of all of the things you're doing, writing your own blogs, being on Bigger Pockets, being on Facebook, being on LinkedIn, hosting two different meetup groups, where are you finding the most success for passive, finding passive equity partners? 
I would say word of mouth and repeat investors. Uh, people that have in, invested with me in one or more deals uh, and see the way I operate, like the way I operate, uh, spread the word for me and bring uh, their friends, family to me and uh, come back themselves. So I, I would say that's where uh, the most of the business has been coming from. Awesome. Another question, how many passive investors do you currently have on your list? Oh my gosh, uh, how, how many? I want to say passive investors, I, I want to say about 100. And, um, and how many, so you've been doing a lot of, a lot of deals about, uh, at least I'm on your passive investor list myself. Sure. And, um, and I feel like you're putting out maybe almost one a month uh, investment opportunity. Is that a pretty close to accurate? Uh, yeah, it doesn't always happen every single month. Sometimes I put two or three in the same month. But yeah, just about one, once a month. I Again, I try to uh, sift through them myself and only put out whatever makes sense. And also, um, I, I try to share it with the audience that would potentially be interested in it. In other words, if I know that I have investors that, let's say, are only interested in multifamily, that I, I will not be sending them storage to mobile home parks. Awesome. Awesome. And what kind of, with the investors that you have on your list, what do you do to manage the list? Do you have a CRM that you that everybody's on? I do. I do. I use Pipedrive. That's my CRM. And I use it in a combination with MailChimp and Gmail to work with my investors. Pipedrive. Okay. Yep. And um, through MailChimp and Gmail and Pipedrive and all the content that I already see you putting out on you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, and, and everything like that, and also at your own meetups, what are you doing on your passive investor list? Um, are you sending out emails for content, or are you just sending out emails when you have an opportunity? So I do both. I do both. It's it's about content and it's also about uh, building the relationship that have been established and some are, have been established a long time ago, some have been recently established. I want to continue building on that because um, we, we, I, I, I'm trying to make it about the people and not about the investment itself. In my eyes, um, if if you want people to trust you, uh, they they have to see that you're a real person like like themselves. You also have your own ups and downs. You also have a family. You have other things and obligations that you're responsible for. That's why uh, when I share information with people, whether it's through the email or I do occasional phone calls. Sometimes I meet people for coffee or lunch. Um, I do it in a way to show them that I'm interested in them as a person and I would like to bring value to them as a person and not only through the investment by 
having them to invest hundred to two hundred thousand with me. So it's it's my way of doing business, but I believe uh, by showing you genuine interest in in the person on the other end of you, uh, you uh, showing them that they can trust you because again what they are doing and what you're doing um, uh, are the same things you, you you know your acts resonates with them and your interests and long-term goals resonates with them and it it only uh, reinforces uh, the fact that they, they think that they made the right decision when they decided to start working with you awesome one of the things that I've noticed about you we've we've been on the phone a number of times and I'm pretty sure I would be accurate and not exaggerating if I said that every single time we wrapped up a phone call you always end it with what can I do for you <laughs> you're correct that's my favorite phrase I, I and love I, and that. I truly mean that I, I do truly mean that I love that and um, and it makes somebody like me know that you know if we don't have something right then I'm, and I usually can't think of anything uh, unfortunately because uh, you're obviously sincere in it I just can't always have have something in mind but it makes me feel like when I have the when I do need something that you'll be one of the first people that I call and and I love that especially when you talk about something like this with a passive investor how sure. can I help you? How can I get you to the next level? Uh, well, I believe that it sounds like what might be happening or or it might will happen um, is that that passive investor who is looking to deploy money might be more inclined to give you a call and say, hey, I just got, you know, I just got one of my houses sold and, and I, now I have, you know, 200000 in equity and I want to know what to do it, do with it do you have an idea for me? And then you can perhaps say, well, I have a self-storage unit that's coming available next month if you want to look at that, something like that. Sure. Has something like that happened? Can yeah. You, okay, tell, tell us a story like that. We'll wrap, we'll wrap up today with, with the kind of the story of, of how you got an investor to call you back and, and you know, invest more money in a, in a different deal, something like that. Sure. So um, I was talking to this one woman. Um, she was uh, thinking about changing her job. Uh, she wasn't thrilled with the job she was in and she was thinking about investing. But then because she wanted to switch jobs, she didn't feel secure enough to start uh, investing money. She wanted to have the money for a rainy day, which I also always, always advise my investors to have and never take your last resort money and put them into investment, which is going to be long term. So we were talking for a while, for a few months. And then one day, I think it was after four or five months, uh, she calls me back excited saying, hey, I just started this brand new job and so far I'm loving it. Uh, I, they gave me what I wanted. This is the, the type of role that I wanted to be. And these are the great people. So it's it's awesome. And uh, I, I now have to just, you know, roll over my 401k uh, into this new company, 401k. And, um, you know, I'll be done with my old job. And I... I offered her um, 
a suggestion. I said, have you thought of potentially rolling this money into a self-directed account? Um, so she, she didn't know what self-directed was. And I, I gave her some details about that. And um, I also gave her, shared with her my presentation because I do educational webinars with self-directed companies where they cover the self-directed accounts and I cover the syndications portion. Um, so I gave her that. And then I gave her a few names um, of the uh, custodians and the people I personally worked for, for, for my family investments. And I said, just talk to several of them, see, see if it makes sense. So she, she opened the self-directed account. She rolled her 401k into one of the self-directed accounts and she invested with us in a multifamily investment um, down the road. And she's still with her uh, new employer and very happy about that. And you know, I'm really happy about her journey as well. On average, or what's your minimum that you usually try to provide for your passive investors? Like, is it always 14%, 16%, some other percent that um, if you don't see the potential of at least getting X amount, mm -hmm. then you don't even do the deal? That's fair. So first of all, in terms of the projections, I don't go into a deal and unless it's at least five years. So the projections must be done for five years or longer. That's my prereq. In terms of the IRR, I would say they have been in the range anywhere from 13 to 21%. You know, lately, closer, more closer to the middle, like anywhere between 15 to 17, but in general, I, I've seen the, the spread. All right, perfect. And if, if I may say, 13 to 21%, which is incredible. That's after fees and everything else. Correct. And everything that I've seen in the stock market myself has never done anything like 13 to 20%. It almost did that in 2018 and then everything was wiped out in the last quarter. So what I'm saying here is how amazing that was for that person to be able to get out of a 8% or 0% stock market and into a 13 or 21% multifamily deal. I think Absolutely. it's incredible. You really are adding a lot of value to a lot of people by doing these webinars, by partnering up with self-directed investment companies, by partnering up with deal sponsors. I see this just benefiting you a lot the deal sponsors a lot, but moreover, I, I see your past investors, why they keep coming back and back and back and why they keep referring their friends to you. I think it's phenomenal. It's incredible. My hat goes off to you. May I ask one last, oh, <laughs> absolutely. And I cut you off, but may I ask one last question? Um, you have this amazing niche where you're able to partner with multiple people, a few different operators that you found yourself to be able to be in alignment with. And the question is, are, do you plan or are you planning to operate the deal all by yourself without partnering with another person or do you really like the niche that you're in? Um, it's an interesting question. I would say it all depends on the bandwidth. Uh, right now, um, I am 
going to continue um, in this, with the same trend where I partner up with others. But down the road, I definitely see myself doing my own deals and again, doing it with partners. I, I don't anticipate doing it on my own. And that's not because I don't want to do it on my own. It's just simply because I believe in a true expertise. If, if uh, I have someone, for instance, who is phenomenal in construction, and uh, then someone else, let's say, who is absolutely incredible in underwriting, and I can bring, let's say, the asset management expertise in, then why not for these three people to partner up and work together if all their other interests align? I truly, truly believe that real estate is and must be a team sport. And for that, you know, I'm really grateful to, find, to be able to find so many great investors, great friends and people in, in real estate industry, including yourself. I'm really honored to know you and, you know, be friends with you, Adam, for, I think it's been over a year. Yeah, it's going to be two years pretty soon. But anyway, so uh, I, I feel like real estate has been a true, tremendous value add for myself as, as well. I have learned so much from people and not only about real estate, but also about the relationship people and uh, opportunities and, you know, other things people do with their life, whether it's um, intermittent fasting or whether it's attending conferences like Tony Robbins. Like I, never in my life I would have thought that I would go and attend Tony Robbins conference. And this had only happened last year because of my investor friend who invited me to join them. I've never even thought of that, uh, doing that kind of stuff. I mean, no one would even believe me if I said that I, I walked on a call in the middle of the night when the temperature was probably freezing or below zero. So, you know, things like that are only possible because I decided to start investing and because I joined this great community of real estate investors and meeting so many great folks like yourself, Adam. Thank you. I feel the same about you and even more so now that I know that you walked uh, the fire walk. That's, yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. It was, pretty cool. It, was, it was pretty hard, but I didn't feel it. <laughs> wow. I love it. I would love to have you back on the show multiple times. Well, I've learned a ton from you. There is so much that you can, that you can really get from somebody who's so driven like you are, that's so passionate and who's really more focused on adding value to others than the other way around. A go-giver is, is truly who you are and it was a pleasure to have you on the show. I learned a ton and for the listeners, let me say one random thing. We didn't go into enough detail on some of the things that I heard you gloss over. I, and if we did, we would have ha already had a super, super long podcast. But what I would say is this episode, if you can go back and listen to it from the beginning, every now and again, there's these amazing nuggets that Alina just mentions, like in passing, that are actually some of the most valuable things to your business that you could do. Things like becoming a, ma a major contributor on BiggerPockets platform. Things like starting a, a meetup in two different areas that, that just kind of went through really, really quickly. But if you find yourself being able to emulate and imitate similar things like where we have just learned from Alina, you, I 
guarantee you will have the massive success with over a hundred investors, if you can imagine that, all hoping and wanting to be in your deal because they know who you are in the core of your heart. So I've learned a ton and I really hope that you, the listener, really takes note of everything that Alina is doing so that you can do the exact same thing in your business, in your area where you live, starting meetups, getting on bigger pockets, getting on uh, webinars and, and adding value and content to the world in order to grow your in passive investor list, it, to grow your portfolio, to grow your network and to be invited on the stage like Alina is going to be on stage here in a couple of months speaking in front of hundreds and hundreds of real estate investors that want to learn this stuff. And that could also be you. So with that said, I super appreciate your time and your willingness to just kind of pull back the curtains and show us exactly what it is that you're doing in your business that's making you successful. Adam, it's my pleasure. Do you have any uh, parting words? I have, I have, I don't usually ask that, but I have a feeling that there's, there might be something that you want to share at the end of the podcast. I would say never give up. Stay true to your course. I love that. I love that. That is so strong. Thank you so much. I will let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. From the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, coming on to the podcast. I hope you've noticed one of the things that I'm absolutely trying to do right here on the podcast, and I, and I hope you've already noticed this, is I'm trying to bring as many amazing women on the podcast to really let that light shine. And that's the same thing that I'm doing with my events. So like I have uh, Tamil Kenny, I've got uh, Alina Trigov, I've got Jillian Sadoti, Ellie Perlman, Kathy Fedke, Maureen Miles, Peely Yarusi, some just incredible humans incredible women that'll be on stage at the Raising Money Summit this year. I hope you decide to go ahead and grab your tickets and see what all of the speakers, not just the women, but the men and the women have to, to do and present for us. I think we're going to learn a lot. And not only that, but the networking is going to be outrageous. So I hope you'll accept my invitation to come to the Raising Money Summit by going to RaisingMoneySummit.com. Check out all of the speakers, the ones that I just mentioned and the rest of them as well. Check out the speaker lineup. Check out the already amazing ticket prices that we have and grab your discount for it as well. There's, there's a special right now anyway and plus that you could still use the promo code on top of it, which is awesome. Just put in podcast. So that's your promo code. That's your discount code. But there's a discount anyway, plus take that off and you'll save a bunch of money. I definitely want to see you there October 3rd, 4th, and 5th.